You're listening to Weird Medicine with Dr. Steve on the Riotcast Network, riotcast.com. I've got diphtheria crushing my esophagus. I've got Ebola virus dripping from my nose. I've got the leprosy of the heart valve exacerbating my incredible woes. I want to take my brain out and blast with the wave, an ultrasonic, echographic, and a pulsating shave. I want a magic pill for all my ailments, the health equivalent of Citizen Kane. And if I don't get it now in the tablet, I think I'm doomed and I'll have to go insane. I want a requiem for my disease, so I'm paging Dr. Steve. Dr. Steve! It's Weird Medicine, the first and still only uncensored medical show in the history of broadcast radio. Now a podcast, I'm Dr. Steve, with my little pal Dr. Scott, the traditional Chinese medical practitioner who keeps the alternative medicine wackos at bay. Hello, Dr. Scott. Hey, Dr. Steve. Uh, this is a show for people who would never listen to a medical show on the radio or the internet. If you've got a question you're embarrassed to take to your regular medical provider, if you can't find an answer anywhere else, give us a call at 347-766-4323. That's 347. Visit our website at drsteve.com for podcast medical news and stuff you can buy. Go to our merchandise store, cafepress.com slash weirdmedicine. If you want to email us, you can just go to drsteve.com and uh, click contact. Follow Dr. Scott at drscottwm on Twitter or follow me at weirdmedicine on Twitter. Most importantly, we are not your medical providers. Take everything you hear with a grain of salt. Don't act on anything you hear on this show without talking it over with your... uh, Doctor, nurse practitioner, physician assistant, pharmacist, chiropractor, acupuncturist, yoga master, physical therapist, clinical laboratory scientist, registered dietitian, or whatever. All right, very good. Um, you know, it's after the holidays. It's our first show of the new year, Doctor Scott. What do you freaking do? Another artificial milestone. Um, <laughs> go to stuff.drsteve.com and uh, buy anything you damn well want. How about that? You can get anything you want there. <laughs> stuff.drsteve.com. Just click through to Amazon. And uh, just have a big old time. Or you can scroll down and you can find all the stuff that we talk about on the show. Uh, also, uh, tweakedaudio.com. They're the only earbuds that last for my kids. Everything else they break, those last forever. Tweakedaudio.com. Use offer code FLUID and get 33% off your earbuds uh, or your complete order. And they have the best customer service anywhere. That's tweaked. T-W-E-A-K-E-D audio.com offer code fluid and if you want to get to your ideal body weight which by the way after the holiday I'm going to have to get back on that but the great thing about it is I know I can do it oh, I have, yeah. there's no anxiety about it at this point because I've uh, uh, been a member of Noom for over a year now and it really does make things actually pretty easy to get to your ideal body weight. It's not a diet. It's a uh, psychology program. Get um, 20% off and two free weeks by going to Noom, N-O-O-M dot drsteve.com. Come on, you know you blew it over the holidays. <laughs> yes. Just, it's time to do it. Yes. And uh, uh, freshly.drsteve.com delivers fresh prepared meals that make eating right super easy. You can use my link to get six dinners for $39 for two weeks. That's 20 bucks off each week. If you like it, keep doing it. If you don't like it, just cancel. Uh, give it a try and let me know what you think. It's freshly.drsteve.com. Now, look, they come, they're never frozen, but they come refrigerated in a biodegradable box, and it's all pre-made. Now, it looks like it's lean cuisines, except it's twice the amount of food as in a lean cuisine, and the, you know, this it's better. Okay. But it is microwave, so it has that microwave character. If you don't like that character in your food, I get it, but I am just lazy. <laughs> and this is three nights a week I don't have to cook because, as you know, Dr. Scott, I do 100% of the cooking in my house. Now, over the holidays, yes. I kicked some damn ass, let me tell you this. <laughs> First off, I cooked my turkey in a pressure cooker. Okay. It was a turkey breast. I, I couldn't fit a whole turkey in, but it was perfect. It took thirty minutes. Wow! From thawed. That's a great thirty course. minutes. Yeah, that's crazy. And it was perfect. Yep. Juicy. I, I ran it under the broiler just to crisp up the skin on the outside, which you shouldn't be eating anyway. But still, it's just physical appearance. It looks. Yeah, yeah, it looks better. Yeah. Uh, and that took another three minutes. Um, uh, really, nothing to it. So that was great. But I, and all the you know the sides and all that stuff. But when I got back, I got inspired. 
and I know you don't eat meat, but I made a short rib, braised short rib recipe, and I made a homemade um, ricotta gnocchi. Oh, wow. And it was so great. I hate that I wasted it on stupid P.A. John. <laughs> you let him come over? Yes, of course. <laughs> but he came over, and he was like, this is the best meal I've ever had. Oh, the flavors. <laughs> and he was going wacky about the fla- you know, the mix of flavors in his mouth. Because I made uh, a bunch of other stuff to go with it, How too. How funny. Um, uh, but the this recipe was inspired. I made I, I combined a couple of recipes and adjusted some recipes because we ate at a place in Sullivan's Island, South Carolina, called the Obstinate Daughter, and they have the a, best ever. They have a yes. We'll give them oh, that. Oh man, they're great. Oh. Now, if you are in the Charleston area, make a special trip to get to the Obstinate Daughter. It is fantastic. Yep. And uh, you need reservations about a month in advance. A month? Yeah. Come on. A month is, <laughs> it's particularly in season, it needs to be at least three to six months in advance. Yeah, you're probably, yeah. But you can call them, or they're not on Open Table, but I found that they are on Resi. It's a different, it's a different reservation app, R E S Y. Okay. And you can get on there and tell them Dr. Steve sent you. Right they don't know who the fuck I am. No, but tell it'll, them it'll go, who's this Dr. Steve guy? <laughs> <laughs> but they're very inventive bunch of young chefs, and this they made this um, uh, ricotta uh, ricotta gnocchi with braised short ribs. But I mine, I went one step further. You got the whole bone in rib. They did, you know, they take it off and mix it up in the gnocchi. I had the mm. I um, uh, after I made the gnocchi and boiled it, and it rose to the top, and I drained it. Um, don't ever rinse it, by the way. Put it back in the pan with the um, uh, a little bit of the short rib juice sure. and some of you know shreds of meat and agitated it around. And I put that just to the side of these big giant uh, ribs where the meat was just basically falling off the bone. It's so effing good, dude. Mm, cool. And I made. I hate black eyed peas, but my wife wanted them too. for good luck. Yeah. Well, you can't eat this, but I made an awesome black IP recipe, but it had bacon and ham and stuff oh. in it and some Cajun seasoning. And that was the first time I've had black eyed peas where I could eat them because to me, they taste like dirt. Uh, I don't like them. But no, the, this was awesome. But yeah. I could maybe try to modify it for, yeah. you know, for your pescatarian. I could, I could, thing. I could, I, I could, could use stretch like it just a little bit. Fish bacon or something, but a little bit. Um, and then I made an awesome collard greens and Sounds good. some other shit like that. So anyway, then the next night I made cheese grits. And so I, there's another restaurant and you can't get reservations. It's called Page's Okra Grill. Hmm. Page's Okra Grill is in Mount Pleasant, South okay. Carolina. It's just before you get to the big bridge to go over to Charleston from Mount, the Ravenel Bridge. Okay. Big giant bridge. Gotcha. Um, you, you can't get reservations. It is worth the wait. If you get there early enough, they open at 5. If you get there at like 4.30, 4.15, you just sit around and wait. Sometimes during the season, they'll have a bartender out there. You can get drinks. And then when they open up, then you can get right in. Mm-hmm. Um, or you can go late, you know, 8, 8.30, something like that. Yeah. But um, they have a shrimp and grits. And what they do is they take cheese grits and uh, you cook them, you put them in the refrigerator. And then in the morning, uh, you cut them into triangles, and then you deep fry them. Wow. So they're crispy on the outside, but, you know, still grits on the inside. Okay. And then you put that on the plate and then put your shrimp and grit, um, you know, uh, roux or whatever, the, um, uh, you know, the, the sauce with mm-hmm. the shrimp and the andouille sausage and the spices and all that stuff around that. Mm-hmm. And it is fantastic. So I made that the next night. Pages Okra. Yeah, Pages gotcha. Okra gotcha. Grill. Gotcha. All right. And then if you're down there and you want to go fishing, check out Avid Angling. Avid Angling is Captain Mike. I've been trying to get him on this show for years. He's basically a part of our family at this point. And, uh, you know, he's known the kids since they were four years old. Mm-hmm. They're 16 now. So we've been going out with him for about 12 years. And, uh, yeah, you know, we 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 know his wife we've met his you know his baby just had a baby we we are used to hear about all his girlfriends before he hooked up with this one (laughs) so anyway Uh, pretty cool that's awesome don't forget to check out uh, dr scott's website at simplyherbals.net you got anything 
to over there these days, Doctor Scott? Nothing new. Nothing new. Yeah. But you've got the uh, the nasal spray Some back in stock. Coming back in stock. Yeah. Coming still coming back. Coming in stock. back in stock. That was six weeks ago. I know. What the it's, hell? I know. It's bad. So ass. walk us through. I mean, how how effing hard is it? Okay, so you have this formula. Yeah. No, it's just, and you don't want to give out the formula because it's yeah. proprietary, but. It's, you know, buffered saline and some peppermint oil, right? Yep, yep, yep. So the bu- the peppermint oil not only smells good, yeah. but it's anti-inflammatory at the mu- level of the mucous membrane. That's yep. been demonstrated, yep. so that's cool. And buffered saline, we know, is beneficial for, you know, uh, washing mucus out of the nose. So, and yep. I find it to be quite delightful. And the peppermint oil is great because it opens and dilates and does nasal it? passages. So it, it, it's also it does it have vasoconstrictive properties? Have you demonstrated that? No, but I could look it up on okay, uh, friend PubMed. Look it up yeah. then, because I'm going to give you one of these right now. <laughs> but then I'll give you one of the good ones if you can find it. But yeah, so, so well, what we're trying to do is trying to come up with a little bit different formula that has a little longer shelf life. Oh, oh. yeah. So coming up with some some dried um, honey and mixing that in a little packet like they do in some of these other larger saline huh. solution things. I don't so know that I like the whole honey thing. No, we've used it for years. You yeah. like it. You've liked it for oh, five it, years. Now. Oh, it's in there? It's yeah. in there already? Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, but that's yeah. why it's got a crappy shelf life? Is that why? Because... It, you, know, mean, no, you know, no, the, the research I did, though, that every single nasal spray on the market across the board, Nasonex, Flonase, et cetera, all of them, whatever, all of them. Can you list some more? Yeah, there's, okay, you just said all of them, and then you just went and listed two of them. These are good ones. Well, (laughs) those are good ones. But but there's a lot. Um, I guess my concern is bacteria getting into the the spray. So what we're looking at is trying to come up with a little bit different. How do you make sure the honey is sterile? Well, honey won't grow bacteria in it. Because, uh, oh, okay. Yeah. That's true and also not true. Mm. Modulism can grow on honey. That's mm. why they don't give, they recommend that you don't give honey to, to under one year olds. Yeah, yeah. under one year olds. Yeah. You know, rarely could get botulism yep. from it. No, yeah, yeah. So, what Dr. Scott's talking about is the BRICS level. So, it's B R I X. If you have a high enough concentration of sugar, you think, well, sugar, you know, bacteria love that. But if it gets high enough, they actually can't uh, maintain their cell membranes and they can't reproduce. That's why you can sell, um, like, concentrate mm-hmm. of, um, like, if you're a winemaker, you can buy concentrate, and if it's got a high enough bricks level, if it's been concentrated enough, they don't even have to pasteurize it, mm-hmm. and uh, you, it, it'll never go bad. Right. That's and that's one because thing we nothing love can grow in it. Yeah, we've. Well, it's just we found that some of those some of those nasal sprays do. Have a little shorter. Oh, uh oh, oh! Are we in trouble? Yeah, um, I'm gonna need to get this, and we'll come right back uh, after uh, this brief interlude. Damn it! God damn it! <laughs> it's terrible. Anyway, mm-hmm. right. I, I felt uh, I, no in interlude. I just you know, I, instead of playing music, I just came straight back because we're very unprofessional. <laughs> I did find something interesting about peppermint oil. Peppermint okay, oil. Yeah, yeah. Per the question was, is it is a it vasoconstrictor? Constrictor. So, yes and no. Oh. It's actually a vasodilator and a vasoconstrictor. What? Strangely enough, yes. <laughs> <laughs> they say. They okay. say it. so. There are different receptors, and there are things that That's could right. be, you know, if it's. Um, our, hitting the alpha receptors it could you know constrict and if it's hitting the beta receptor it could dilate and you know something do both could really do both but you would think you know it's going to be context dependent because if you have something that's both a constrictor and a dilator hitting the same receptors in the same area well it'll have a zero net effect Mm -hmm. so tell me what what the answer is well according to this website it says peppermint oil actually has the ability what website (laughs) come on this website the ability to uh constrict blood vessels Um, well okay well then that would make it a vasoconstrictor so why are you saying it's both well it says it's a vasodilator um when it's applied in certain certain instances it's a vasoconstrictor like which ones well it says if you apply it to the skin it's actually a vasodilator uh, well it says it's a vaso uh vaso Constrictor. What? Yeah, it's because it hits those. Um, because it's got to be stimulating those alpha receptors in the skin. You would think. Okay. I couldn't find anything on PubMed yet. I just found this other place that looked interesting. 
Okay. It says, hey, three uses for peppermint oil for men. That's got to help us. Right? Oh, this is from newmanrevolution.com. <laughs> exactly. It's got to work. Give us a, this has got to be perfect. Okay, here we go. Effects of peppermint on exercise performance. This might get us somewhere where, we're, where we want to be. This is from the Journal of the International Society of Sports Nutrition. It says, the results of the experiment support the effectiveness of peppermint essential oil on the exercise performance gas analysis spirometry parameters blood pressure and respiratory rate in young male students relaxation of bronchial smooth muscles so that would be you know uh, uh, a dilator like a, that would be a, a dilator a, a smooth muscle relaxer mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which what's another one um, albuterol mm-hmm. when you inhale that when you have asthma that's what's doing is it is relaxing uh, you know bronchial muscle opening up the bronchial airways right so uh, let me see. Increase in the ventilation and brain oxygen concentration decreases in blood lactate level are most plausible explanations. Okay, so they had 12 healthy male students every day consuming one 500 ml bottle of mineral water containing 0.05 ml of peppermint essential oil for 10 days. So they took this in orally. That's very interesting, isn't it? And yeah, they, and it's got to be super duper small doses. And then they tested them. Strong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, they tested uh, forced vital capacity, uh, peak expiratory flow rate. So these are spirometry things where you breathe into that right. tube and it measures uh, airflow in and out of your lungs and peak inspiratory flow were determined one day before and after supplementation. And then, uh, yeah, they saw significantly significant improvements after 10 days. That's interesting. Now, how it? much, Dr. Steve, again? Because I'm going to take that. I know. No shit. Because the way I've had this Well, damn- it doesn't say what the uh, concentration of the uh, essential oil was, but it was 0.05 ml. So that's uh, five one-hundredths of a milliliter. Mm-hmm. So it ain't much. It's, no, it's 50, just- what, microliters. About a drop per. Yeah, maybe. Eight ounces or something like that, or even It'd less. It'd be hard than that. to measure that. You'd have to get a really small pipette to do that. Yeah. So five one hundredths of an mL. In, in, into how? Into what was? Now you could do it another water? way by concentrating. If you know, so one way that you could do this mm-hmm. is you could take if you had one mL mm-hmm. of peppermint oil, then you could calculate how much it would be to get this concentration. Right. 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 Which is um, what did they say? Uh, 500 ml to 0.05 ml. So uh, that would be 0.05 divided, or 500 divided by 0.05. Yeah, you could figure that out pretty Mm -hmm, easy. mm -hmm. But that's the ratio you want. Okay. 500 mls of water to 0.05 mls of peppermint essential oil to reproduce this experiment. Not recommending anybody do that. But I'll try it first. Yeah, you can And that way we'll talk about yeah. it next, next week. So that doesn't answer our question about whether it's a muc- uh, vasoconstrictor at the mucous membrane, but at least that's in a peer-reviewed journal, not new, Men's health. <laughs> newmanrevolution.com, which I'm sure they're fine. And they're probably fine. Now, here we go. A near-fatal case of high-dose peppermint oil ingestion lessons learned. Uh, near-fatal case due to ingestion of toxic dose of oral peppermint oil is being reported. The patient came in a comatose state and was in shock. She was managed with mechanical ventilation and inotropes. That's, don't worry about what that is. It's stuff to make her heart beat better. Her vital parameters reached normal within eight hours, became conscious by 24 hours. The side effects of peppermint oil are considered to be mild, but this case report warns that ingestion of toxic doses. So what's the toxic dose of peppermint oil? Let's see. Uh, this is, makes me, um, we need to probably get that. Let's see if uh, Echo knows. Echo, what's the toxic dose of peppermint oil? See if she knows anything. Here's something I found from the article Peppermint on Wikipedia. High oral doses of peppermint oil can cause mucosal irritation and mimic heartburn. I'll guarantee well, it. I'd say that's true, but this is way worse than that. Yes. Um, yeah. Well, okay. Okay. Here we go. Uh, lethal dose of peppermint oil has been documented in experimental studies. It has a 24-hour oral LD50. So what that means is lethal dose in 50% of people. So that's sort of the cutoff mm-hmm. of 400, oh, 4,441 milligram per kilogram in rats. In uh, the 48-hour LD50 was 24. So. The precise amount of peppermint oil ingested could not be ascertained. The case described here, she was just drinking it. So uh, 4,441 milligram per kilogram. So let's say a 70-kilogram man. 
That's going to be a lot of damn peppermint oil. That's a lot of peppermint oil. That's going to be four times 70 grams. So what's that? 280 grams. I don't know how the world's going to be. That might not be that much. 280 grams. Let's say... uh, A drop of that shit's too much. Let's... (laughs) You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Holy moly. Uh, Let's let's say it was the same density of water, which we know it's not. Right. It's going to be less than water. I'm assuming peppermint oil floats. Yes. Okay. So it's less dense than water, but let's let's do um, let's find out how how much that is. So what did I say? Two hundred and eighty grams. Mm-hmm. Alexa, how much water is two hundred and eighty grams? It's gonna be two hundred and eighty milliliters. But you used a wrong name. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Echo. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot the question too. I think our senility you is kicking in. You have twenty questions enabled. Do you want to open it? No, thank no. you. No, thank you. Okay, uh, so 280 grams of water in cups is what? Okay, let's try this. Alexa, God damn it. <laughs> Echo, how many cups are in 280 grams of water? Piece of shit. There are 1.2 cups in 280 grams of water. Okay. So, it, it, you know, it's less dense than that, but that's fine. You know, if you're drinking a cup of peppermint oil, you're in a tough SOB. But that's interesting that a cup of peppermint oil will just about kill you yeah. if you don't have mechanical life support. That didn't surprise me at all. You know, in, in one thing I know, because I think the peppermint oil has the menthol in it, so that's why it does have the analgesic, anti-inflammatory effects. I don't But know. that stuff is so strong. Lord, I mean, I know you cook a lot and I cook a lot. Yeah. Just a, just a drop of peppermint oils is too much. I can't imagine a cup and a quarter of it. I'm going to look up active ingredient in peppermint oil is menthol. Yeah. The main chemical oh, cool. constituents of peppermint oil, essential oil are menthol, menthone, and one... Yeah, I'll give you one of those. Lucky guess. Give yourself a bill! <laughs> and one eight cineol menthol acetate and isovaleriate, uh, pinene, limonene, and other constituents. The most active of these components are menthol and menthone. Yep. Makes sense. Cool. That'd be a good name for a band, Menthone. I don't know why. Mm. All right. Well, anyway, um, <laughs> so it remains to be seen, but I'll give you the benefit of the doubt that it's probably is vasoconstrictive at the mucous membrane. I'll tell you why. Because we use it for irritable bowel syndrome. And one of the issues with irritable bowel syndrome is people have leaky, loose junctions in their... Um, uh, Those diverticulum. Uh, well... Okay, this is at the cellular level. Mm-hmm. So the cells all bind together, right? They mm-hmm. have to kind of tie together, but they're loose. Right. And so when you've got a loose junction between the intestinal cells, mm-hmm. and it's, particularly if it's leaky, it's really wide open, mm-hmm. and uh, toxins, there's that word, but these are for real. These are real actual toxins. real toxins. From the poo, from the poo. Uh, can come in contact with tissues that they're not supposed to. Okay. And that, that causes that. inflammation. Okay. That causes irritable bowel. At least that's one of the hypotheses. And um, peppermint oil works really well to close up those tight junctions. There are other medications like lubiprostone, a.k.a. Amatiza, also does that. Huh. And uh, the, both of them are good for irritable bowel syndrome so if it closes up those tight junctions you know presumably there's some constriction of something going okay. on makes sense and that makes sense yep yeah, on some level i i do know you know all i was trying to do is give you an f and plug and it ended up being a you know 20, 14 a dissertation minute, on <laughs> dissertation peppermint, on peppermint, peppermint oil, oil but it's That's still pretty okay. interesting yeah the peppermint oil is really good for ibs for those who maybe have not heard our discussions on, oh, on yeah. that before it Works yeah, and you well. can check it uh, check it out. It's uh, sold in an enteric coated version called Ibigard. Ibigard, that's right. And um, we uh, talked to the guy that made it. Pretty um, outstanding stuff, really. Yeah, we did. That's yeah, we right. sure it's did. A long he's, time from, ago. he's from South Alabama. And um, my kid takes it. He's got bad irritable bowel syndrome. It really helps him a lot. I, mean, I take it too. He never forgets to take it because it really helps him. Yep. And you can check it out at stuff.drsteve.com if you're so inclined, if you just want to look at it. I just wanted to give you uh, an interesting article, and then we've got a bunch of cool phone calls to take. Um, injecting the flu vaccine into a tumor gets the immune system to attack it. Now, this is uh, from Ars Technica, not a medical journal. 
is a reasonably interesting uh, article that one of our Twitter followers sent us. So activating the immune system at the site of a tumor can re-engage the immune system because we've talked about this. Cancer is a problem with immune surveillance where the immune system, all those cells that are supposed to be finding foreign tissue and abnormal tissue and killing it and then eating it and then, you know, shitting it out and into the, our system so that we can then excrete it in our own urine and feces. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't work. It just goes right on by the tumor for whatever reason. It recognizes that tumor as being normal. And uh, if we could get the immune system to wake up, and you can go to drsteve.com and click on um, non-pseudoscience cancer cures uh, in the upper right-hand corner. Those are all articles about harnessing the immune system to kill cancer. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, uh, yeah, let's just take a look at this article. A number of years back, there were a great deal of excitement about using viruses to target cancer. We know that one for multiple myeloma where they used, um, uh, and it's called viral oncolytic therapy. They used measles vaccine. Okay. Gave the patients 6 million doses of measles vaccine. The measles virus, which is a live virus, live mm-hmm. attenuated virus, goes to the uh, multiple myeloma cells. And then what does the body do to cells that are infected with measles? Kills them. Kills them, right. And for whatever reason, measles loves multiple myeloma cells. Hmm. So uh, they even tagged these things. They genetically altered this virus to take up, uh, uh, to express a receptor on the surface of the cell that would take up radioactive iodine. Then they injected them with radioactive iodine. It didn't kill the cells or anything. It just marked them so then they could put them in a scanner and see where those viruses went to, and they all went to the multiple myeloma wow. tumors. Wow. And um, and then the body goes in and just kills those cells. The next thing you know, you don't have any multiple myeloma. So uh, that's something that, that's coming. Uh, so that's what they're talking about. Uh, a number of viruses explode the cells they've infected in order to spread to new ones. Engineering those viruses so they could only grow in cancer cells would seem to provide a way of selectively killing these cells. And some preliminary tests were promising, showing massive tumors nearly disappearing. The results were inconsistent. There were complications. The immune system would respond to the virus, limiting our ability to use it more than once, which is true. Mm-hmm. You know, once you uh, make antibodies to that virus, when you inject it again, the body just uses those antibodies and neutralizes it. Um, some of the tumor killing seemed to be the result of the immune system rather than the virus. Yeah, well, that's right. Now, uh, they focused on the immune response, inducing it at the site of the tumor, and they do so by a remarkably simple method by injecting the tumor with flu vaccine. As a bonus, the mice were tested on were successfully immunized, too. So, ha, ha, yeah, you have cancer, and you're an anti-vaxxer. Oh, well, <laughs> we're going to cure you anyway, and you're going to get your flu vaccine. <laughs> and not catch the flu. That's right, and not die from the flu. <laughs> Uh, so let's see here. Um, they uh, moved to mice using melanoma cells that can form tumors when transplanted into the lungs of mice. These model systems often respond to treatments that don't end up working in humans, so the results have to be treated with appropriate caution. Uh, the use of, uh, come on. It's, you know, you don't have to pad these articles out so much. Just tell us what the hell. Uh, so anyway, um, they injected these melanoma cells with influenza vaccine, and it wasn't even virus. And um, uh, oh, well, anyway, okay. So more stuff. This is a shitty article. I, okay. It's hard for me to get to the meat of it, but uh, so it, it's just another idea in this advancement of using the immune system to uh, fight cancer. So we're getting there. We're getting there. Um, said here, uh, some vaccines contain chemicals that enhance the immune system's memory, promoting the formation of long-term response to pathogens. Those are called adjuvants, by the way. When a vaccine containing one of these chemicals was used, the immune system wasn't stimulated to limit the tumor's growth. So, yeah, so you want to give it uh, the pure stuff with no adjuvants. That's interesting, isn't it? It is. Yeah, cool. It's crazy. Yep. All right. Let's, um, I'm, I'm going to take this one, and then we're going to try something. Okay. And let's just see. Oh, first thing. Hey, Number Dr. One thing. Steve. Don't take advice from some asshole on the radio. Wait, what, what, Ronnie B.? 
Give yourself a bill. No. 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 One thing. Don't take <laughs> advice from some asshole on the radio. Queen. Okay. Uh, I really messed up this year. My wife is a nurse, registered nurse, and uh, I don't have good enough Christmas presents for her. But we've been listening to you for a long time, and she would really appreciate like if you just gave a call back, or she just really enjoys your show. And, like, I've been listening to you forever since the opening Anthony days. It, it's just something that your show is something we can always talk about together. So, like, I'm in a panic here. <laughs> Christmas gifts. Okay, so doing a club. Would... Dude, it's um, January 3rd. It's a week when or we two got too this. late. Yeah. <laughs> Be able to. Email me. You guys can email me. Just go to drsteve.com and click contact, and you can email me anytime. If he had emailed me, I would have done this. Give her a call and just tell us, hey, this is Dr. Steve. <laughs> hey, I'm here. Hilarious. And uh, thanks a lot, man. Really appreciate it. <laughs> she's a nurse writer, and she's got, like, really good like nursing experience, like oncology and, like. This dude is totally wasted, too. Yeah. She really appreciates your insight. And okay, didn't give us her name, didn't give us her number. He did call back and give us her number. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, let's just call her. See um, see if she answers. If she, if we get her voicemail, I'll have to cut it off, and then we'll edit this out. But mm-hmm. let's just see what happens here. Hopefully she's not working nights and trying to get a good night's sleep. I know. <laughs> All right, come on, let's go. Okay, calling, calling, calling. Ring-a-ding-ding. If I have to leave a voicemail, I will. Did you guys know there are butterflies that drink blood? Or that there's a species of beetle that can shoot boiling liquid out of its butt? Or that blue whales are so big you can swim through their arteries? But there's a species of bat that's so small that it weighs less than a penny. My name's Maya. And my name's Connor. And we are the co-hosts of World's Wildest Podcast. If you guys love nature and you love learning about how crazy it is, Connor and I have over 30 years of experience in wildlife conservation, and we're here to tell you all about them. World's Wildest will take you on a journey to meet Earth's most extreme creatures from the world's strongest to our world's smelliest. Make sure to subscribe for new episodes every Thursday, wherever you get your podcasts. Still calling. Ring-a-ding-ding. <laughs> One ringy-dingy. She, she probably thinks it's some... Two ringy-dingy. Thinks... Well, no, she didn't uh, send us... Call to... has been forwarded to an automated voice messaging system. There you go. Two. La, 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 I can't hear you. I don't know what you're talking about. La, 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 Is not available. At the tone, please record your message. When you've finished recording, you may hang up or press one for more options. Hey, it's Dr. Steve from Weird Medicine. Um, I hope I have the right person. Are, are you the wife of the dumbass <laughs> that called us and said he didn't have enough Christmas presents? And would you just call my wife? That would be a good Christmas present. Uh, if you're not that person, I apologize. Uh, if you are, um, well... Merry belated Merry Christmas. Uh, Christmas. I guess we got his message <laughs> on January 3rd. He is a genius. He's and obviously I, plans ahead extremely yes, well. And I'm not yes. 100% sure he'll even remember calling us the way he sounded on the voicemail. <laughs> but um, you can listen to this on, uh, on, um, on our show this week. So uh, anyway, uh, sorry we missed you. Would have loved to have uh, had you on the, on the show today. All right. <laughs> hey, Merry Christmas. Happy New Year's. See ya. Give yourself a bill. All right. Let's right. hope that was the right person. If not, somebody's going to have a great surprise. Do you think so? Oh, yeah. you think that'll be a great surprise? Great surprise. Or just an awful, awful surprise? Oh, I think it's surprise. fantastic. All right. Let's take some other phone calls here. Let's see what we got. Hi, <laughs> Dr. Steve. My name is John from northwestern Pennsylvania. And I have this uh, up here now, for us at least, it's freezing cold outside. We don't have a whole lot of exposed, any foliage. Uh, I was actually in the woods uh, a week ago, and uh, <clears throat> I was moving a trail camera for deer, and I realized a couple days later that I may have poison ivy. I heard you talking about it. Ugh. And uh, the poison ivy I have, and I don't know that it's poison ivy, I should clarify that, is in my, uh, around my 
belly button, for lack of a better term, area. And it is, I know it doesn't spread, and I hate to beat a dead horse here, but That's okay. could it be anything besides poison ivy if it's leaving, you know, somewhat of a rash and it has a, uh, almost like a mucus-like discharge, it's getting on clothes, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I'm thinking it's uh, some variety of poison ivy, poison oak, poison something in the woods that I hate with all of my might. Yeah. But my wife keeps telling me it's probably a skin infection or something that was in your belly button that you did not get out. Ew. Is that Gross. a possibility? Uh, I, I look mean, forward I, to hearing from you. Anything's I'd possible. I'd have to see it, but I mean, he says mucus. Now, when you have a contact dermatitis mm-hmm. and you have a type 4 delayed type hypersensitivity reaction, that's what that's what uh, poison ivy is. Right. So... You know, you can have an uh, immediate uh, immune reaction, which is like anaphylaxis. Mm -hmm. So you get stung by a bee, all of a sudden you can't breathe. That's an immediate hypersensitivity reaction. Mm -hmm. You come in contact with poison ivy, and maybe a day later you get these blisters, and then, you know, when you got, you know, three or four parts per billion, and then you it might march up your arm as the concentration gets less and less. So the places that were uh, stimulated with the least amount of antigen come out last, which gives it the illusion of spreading. Hmm. Now, redness and heat. So that should be blistery with clear fluid. Hmm. So if that's what he means by mucus, then okay, yeah, then it could be this. Hmm. But if he's got actual discharge and it's not from broken blisters, then that's not normal. Hmm. If he has redness or pain, you know, mostly it's itchy. Right. Pus, fever, spreading redness, any of that stuff, that needs to be evaluated right mm-hmm. away. Uh, you can get cellulitis, which is you know an, a bacterial infection of the skin that can be life-threatening from poison ivy because you're opening up mm-hmm. um, you know, areas of the skin that bacteria could get in and then um, uh, you know invade. Right. So you got to be careful about that. So anytime you see that, if it isn't just itchy, blistery stuff, then, yeah, you should get that checked. Agreed. Yeah, I've had the, po- the poison ivy so bad. I had poison ivy on top of poison ivy. I had blisters and pus and oh, everything. God, oh, God, yeah. That is horrible. Oh, you so. can get a super infection. Oh, sure, that's man. a great, a great uh, bacterial culture medium. Oh, my goodness. It was terrible. Terrible, yeah. terrible. But, you know, the only other thing I was thinking is maybe a bad case of shingles even, depending on. Yeah. Okay. But, I would, but I'm like Dr. Steve. If it's, if it's not just itchy. Well, he says it's at the belly button. That's a weird place to get shingles because Mm -hmm. shingles usually comes from the spinal column. Right, and follows. There are these little ganglia on the way to the spinal column, Mm -hmm. and the ganglia are just collection of nerves. And that's where this stupid virus. Once you had chickenpox, it retreats to one of those and it just sits there. And when it comes out, it will always be just on one side or the other. It's weird unless you've got some, you know, you got a bad immune system. You got a normal immune system. It will come out and will follow where that where that um, nerve goes. We call those dermatomes. dermatomes right. And so, like if you have one in your rib cage, it will follow the rib, and of course, it'll spread out. It's not, you know, those the little fibers spread out everywhere. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, but it will tend to start higher in the back and end up lower in the front because mm-hmm. those things come around kind of in a spiral form. And the wrapper in the front. Right. And they, they descend. They follow the rib. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, if it's f- farther down, but it'll always be on one side of the body or the other. Yeah. If it's on your face, could follow that um, trigeminal nerve or yes. other nerves. Right. Have you ever seen it on both sides? I've seen it one time on guy's back. And on both sides of his back. I've seen it. Once. I've seen disseminated sh- varicella zoster. Mm-hmm. You know, you really couldn't call it shingles at that point. What okay. it was was okay. he that had it everywhere sense. because he had a bad immune system. Okay. You know. That, that explains <laughs> it. Yeah, well, I, I, I'm, I'm, betting, I'm betting he's got some poison ivy That'd or some variation. Too. Yeah. If he's not seeing pus and, you know, expanding redness and all that stuff, that's probably what it is. You can put some hydrocortisone on it. If it doesn't get re- better really quickly, just go to your primary care. If, if that's the diagnosis, they can put you on a short course of oral prednisone. That stuff goes away just almost immediately. Yep. yep. Prednisone being a oral corticosteroid or just a steroid. Not a Schwarzenegger steroid, but a corticosteroid. <laughs> Not anabolic. That's right. All right. 
Hey, Dr. Steve, this is Cammie in Texas. Hey, Cammie. My question for you is, can I get any diseases from rimming uh, my partner? Um, and, of course, I'm asking for a friend. Of course. Thanks so much. Love the show. Bye. Thank you. Yes, of course. Um, so rimming, what she's talking about is getting down and licking around her partner's asshole, which... Um, you know, which that is the medical term for it, by the way, is asshole. <laughs> uh, it's when you're licking one. And um, not, I don't know. God, are you okay? Yeah, I'm sorry about that. This is one of those things where I you do whatever you want to do. I don't understand it. Mm. I don't want anybody's tongue anywhere near no. where the poo comes out. And I don't want my tongue anywhere near no. where the poo comes out. I've told you my story about the time when I was performing uh, cunnilingus yes. on my partner and she got up and said hey I gotta go run to the bathroom real quick <laughs> and I figured she just had to go Motion pee detected at the front door okay thank you and um, <laughs> I someone thought, is at the front door okay thank you um, I just thought she had to go pee yeah. and then she comes back and lays down and says you may proceed and I get back down there and then I get this waft of fresh turd smell and it was like i cannot believe sweet mother you let me do that oh my god but you know some people don't have that taboo yeah. you know i this is horrendous to me that should um, be that should be an automatic at least give them the option there Say, is a look. reason why yeah. you can't lick your own ass and you know why yes. it's because it's it's gross <laughs> and the there's a reason why your ass is as far away from your mouth as you can make it and still have a functional gi tract right you know Yep. It's literally as far away as you can get it and still be in the body. In part. the torso, right. Because, you know, it'd be dumb if it was like in your the heel your or your ankle or something. That'd be stupid. Pop all in your ankle. Yeah. But can You're she just catch. shitting out of the bottom of your foot. Yeah. Can she catch a disease from that? So, mm. well, let's talk about yes. it. Yes. Okay. <laughs> there are, dr- <laughs> there are um, diseases that are contracted uh, by the uh, fecal oral route. And that's a particular route of transmission of disease where uh, pathogens in feces pass from one person's ass to the mouth of the other person. So when you are, you know, sucking on someone's rectum, uh, that's the classic transmission. But now what if he doesn't have any of that stuff? You know, um, he, for the most part, if he doesn't have, well, let's look at the different diagrams that you can have. Um, There's cholera. He probably doesn't have cholera. Uh, C. difficile. Ooh, you know, there is. Yes, so, yeah. C. difficile causes a form of diarrhea that can be community acquired or acquired through uh, taking too much antibiotics. And it can cause a life-threatening diarrhea. But he probably doesn't have that. He wouldn't be having intercourse if he had C. diff. No, and he'd be rushing to the bathroom. Shigella, same way. Mm -hmm. You know, that's dysentery, you know, bacillary dysentery. Salmonella. Salmonella typhi which causes typhoid fever, campylobacter, that kind of stuff. Now, the one thing that he could have is an enterotoxigenic version of E. coli. Mm-hmm. So E. coli is a normal turd bacteria. Most of the time you can get a little bit in your mouth, it's no big deal. Mm-hmm. But if he had some that had a uh, you know, a toxin that it was producing, and this, by this I mean a real toxin, not the kind of toxins that you're <laughs> that you detoxify with a... Right, tox- <laughs> right that a you detoxifying can, drink. Right, right, right. <laughs> And then there's other viruses like hepatitis A. He probably doesn't have that. Norovirus, that's Norwalk virus. That's the virus that you get. Um, you used to hear a lot about on cruise ships. They've gotten really good about uh, putting a stop to that crap. Uh, polio, well, she, he's, both of them have probably been vaccinated. So, um, you know, pro- so probably you're going to be okay. But if he has any of these diseases, tapeworms, toxoplasmosis, giardia, all these things that really would probably he would be so sick enough that he wouldn't be you wouldn't be having sex with him, um, then you could get that. But other than that, it's just poop in the mouth. And if you get too much of it, your stomach doesn't like it. But most of the time, the stomach can just kill it. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, I, I would just man, uh, I, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't understand it. But yeah. there you go. Um, if you eat feces, there's a term for that, a medical term for that. Do you know what it is? Gosh, no, I don't. Coprophilia. Coprophilia. Nope. Yeah. 
So anyway, let me see. Let me see what um, if they say that there are any diseases. Uh, oh, and then the act that she's talking about is analingus. That's the oral and anal sex act, which a person stimulates the anus of another using the mouth, including the lips, tongue, or teeth. Hmm. It's also called anal oral contact and anal oral sex. Is additionally known by slang names. Ooh, what slang names could they be? <laughs> okay, so anyway, so uh, probably not, but yes, that's there's a, a non-zero possibility yeah. you can get a disease. Well, there's a non-zero disease possibility you can get a disease by blowing him too. Sure, you know if he has herpes, or um, I don't know herpes or gonorrhea. Mm-hmm. Or syphilis, then yeah, you could get it from that. But you know, he probably doesn't have those things. Mm. Or her, or her, right? Yeah. yeah. Who knows? Well, she was talking about her boyfriend. Oh, okay. I think uh, maybe I presumed that. Yeah. Now let's just see if I'm a, a damn uh, genderist. I see. <laughs> hey, Doctor Steve, this is Cami in Texas. My question for you is: Can I get any diseases from rimming uh, my partner? Um, I am a genderist. She just said partner, so oh, yeah. he or she. No, yep. Non-specific. Yep. Or they. Rim, so. rim away. Just just be careful. Well, <laughs> practice, practice, practice good hygiene. I guess. Well, you, that's I'd, the definition of not good hygiene. Yeah, I don't know. You know? I'd, I'd, I don't maybe, know. Maybe use a finger instead of a tongue. Oh, do whatever you want to do. <laughs> it's, don't listen it's to 20, us. You know it's what? 2020. It's a new decade. Do I whatever the hell you want. I don't ruin anything for anybody. Who but, cares? I mean, it's... It, lots of people yep. lick other people's rectums lick and they away. do just fine. Lick away. I'm yeah. not going to say that. You, That's Dr. Scott saying that. I'm just going to say <laughs> that there's a non-zero chance of getting diseases, but most people do okay. I agree. Non-zero. And Dr. Scott's the one that's telling you to actually do it, and I'm not doing it. I'm that. telling her that. Just do whatever she wants. Well, you know, yeah, okay. Yeah, be cool. <laughs> <laughs> what up, weird medicine? Hey, man. Um question okay what's the difference between oxycodone which i believe is percocet well and hydrocodone um i think okay if that's the basis of the question they are both opioids meaning that they both stimulate the mu opioid receptor and the mu opioid receptor, when it's stimulated, and there are other receptors too, um, uh, oxycodone also stimulates the kappa receptor. Don't worry about all that stuff. There won't be a quiz afterward. But uh, these receptors, for the most part, uh, cause pain signals to be dulled going to the brain. They also can slow respirations. They can uh, make your eyes, uh, the pupils, small. And they can slow down your GI tract, and they also prevent cough. You know, mm-hmm. they're antitussive. So they do a bunch of different things mm-hmm. when those uh, things are stimulated. Now, oxycodone and hydrocodone are kissing cousins. They're just a couple of molecules different. They both hit the same receptor, but they've got somewhat different properties. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the oxycodone hits more of the kappa receptor than a hydrocodone does. It's more potent. Yes. 20 milligrams of oxycodone is equivalent to about 30 milligrams of hydrocodone, that kind of stuff. You know, if everybody responded the same way to every drug, there wouldn't be a bunch then of we'd only need right. one drug. Yeah. But anyway, okay. The uh, oxycodone, and that shit makes me itch. Oh, yeah. And I take, um, it keeps me awake at night. I can't sleep. And I want something that works better. Um would I would switching to hydrocodone help? What is it? Is it like Vicodin? Is that what Vicodin is? Yes. Vicodin is? Vicodin, Norco. Um, thanks. Lortab. All those things are all hydrocodone. Those are just brand names, but the underlying name is hydrocodone. Now they, in this country, we don't make a short-acting version of hydrocodone that doesn't have acetaminophen or Tylenol in it, so you can only buy it in combination with Tylenol. Oxycodone can be gotten with Tylenol or without. When it's when it's uh, bundled with Tylenol, we call it Percocet because that's the brand name. Mm-hmm. And if it's not, then it's Roxycodone or just Oxycodone immediate release. Have, yeah, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, and I have seen a a number of folks they tolerate one versus the other. Yep, in many many instances. So what this guy's asking is a very good question. Yeah, it's everybody's different. Yep. 
You know, there is opioid-induced pruritus. It's probably – pruritus is a fancy word. Um, well, I don't know if it's fancy, but it's another word for itching. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know why we can't just say itching in medicine, but we have to say pruritus. And um, looking at the prevalence, it looks like uh, – uh, 69% in non-pregnant patients, including males and females. Now, that is that is for, wow. Wow, that's a high number. That's higher than, than my uh, experience has been. But um, let me see. The so mechanism, okay, well, the mechanism is uh, the presence of an itch center in the central nervous system. So the reason we itch is it's called formication. And that it's probably because back in the caveman days, it let us know that there were bugs on us and to okay. get rid of them. Okay. So, um, the, and these things stimulate those same receptors and cause this feeling of itching. Um, it looks like, uh, yeah, modulation of serotonergic pathway. I'm looking uh, through pain and pruritus. Yeah, blah. You know, if you have someone that has liver uh, disorder and they're jaundiced and they itch, have you ever seen them? Mm-hmm. Uh, that is caused by peripheral stimulation. In other words, stimulation in the skin of mu opioid receptors, which are the same opioid receptors that morphine and hydrocodone, oxycodone act on. Mm-hmm. And if you have somebody with jaundice that's itching and they're not on opioid pain medications, you can put them on an opioid blocker called naloxone. This is a pill. It totally goes away. Wow. Totally goes away. If they are on opioids, you could put them on a what we call a peripheral mu opioid antagonist, which just means um, a, a drug that blocks the opioid receptor, but not in the central nervous system. Right. It only does it in the skin. But the problem with those is they're crazy expensive. Mm-hmm. Naloxone's dirt cheap when you just give it in a pill form. But if you've got to inject somebody or give them a pill of these peripheral opioid receptor antagonists, they're really, really expensive. Hmm. And mainly because they're new. Someday right. those... Also, I don't even think I've ever heard of that. Yeah. Um, well, okay, so the brand names are Relastor. You've heard of Relastor. Mm-hmm. Methyl naltrexone. So what they okay, did was they take naltrexone, which is a drug that blocks opioid receptors, right. and put a methyl group on it, and right. now all of a sudden it bangs up against the blood-brain barrier. Oh, it can't, can't go through. can't cross. Uh, Okay, gotcha. So gotcha. now it will only do things like stop you from having constipation and stop itching caused by, you know, stimulation of those receptors. Well, it's pretty cool. Yeah, that's it's a neat cool. idea. That's a great idea, actually. Yeah, and there's another one, naloxagol, and then uh, there's uh, Simproic is another one. So, yeah, there's oh, a cool. bunch of them out there. But anyway, all right. Um, so, yeah, uh, everybody's different. Sure. Everybody responds to these things differently. If I take hydrocodone, it keeps me up. I've only taken it once, but it kept me up. Mm-hmm. Oxycodone, I'm fine. My wife, if she takes hydrocodone, she pukes. Mm-hmm. And my mother-in-law, if she takes oxycodone, she itches. Yeah. So everybody's different. And you, if you itch on one, you might not itch on another one. So they can, you know, switch you to the different thing. If your pain is mild to moderate, they could put you on a non-opioid, mu-opioid um, agonist, which would be, and so that's like a non-narcotic narcotic, <laughs> if that makes any sense. Right. And that would be things like tramadol. Tramadol, tramadol right. is one. It's really not derived from opium. That's what opioids are. Mm. But it still hits those same receptors. It's been reclassified as an opioid just because it's addictive mm. and it hits the same receptors. They just had to change the definition a little bit. Right. But anyway, uh, tramadol might be an option for you. And just taking... An anti-itch medication, if you really got to have it and that's the only thing that works for your pain, yeah. they can treat the itch. There's lots of different medications. Yes. There is, um, um, oh, goodness gracious, uh, well, Vistaril is one of antihistamine. Mm-hmm. And then there is shit fire. This I've been having this all day. I didn't get enough sleep last night, mm-hmm. and I'm starting to forget things. Um, let me see. There's a nortriptyline amitriptyline, and then doxepin. Is it doxepin? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is it doxepin? Maybe. Anyway, one of those is, um, yeah, tricyclic, that's it. Uh, so it was called Sinequan. I knew I had an S in my name. So doxepin is a very potent anti um, 
antipyretic or anti-itch medication. It's prescription only. Mm-hmm. Benadryl you can buy over the counter. Well, I say Benadryl you can take anytime. Not a big fan of just taking Benadryl every day because there's problems with just taking antihistamines day in and day out. Mm-hmm. And uh, but um, but anyway, doxepin is one that a lot of physicians aren't aware of that we use all the time with really good success. Yeah. All right. Hey, Dr. Steve. I'm a 44-year-old guy from the Northeast. Uh, got some health issues. I'm 5'11 and 300 pounds. Definitely overweight. Trying to get a hold on that. And multiple sclerosis and uh, diabetes. So okay. the question I have for you is, they told me I have fatty liver. Okay. And I got some pain in my abdomen. And I've had a problem lately with bleeding. So no matter how bad I cut myself or... Uh, no matter how bad I stick myself, even if I stick myself with an insulin needle, I bleed like crazy. Okay. Uh, I wear one of those continuous glucose monitors, yeah. and I put a new one on my arm today, and I actually bled through it. Okay. Uh, through the plastic. Okay, I'm just going to stop him right there. That shit's got to get checked out. Mm-hmm. So I'm assuming he's got bruising some places as well. He needs a complete blood count, see if his platelet count's okay. If his platelet count's okay, then then the other thing they're going to do is a, a thing called a pro-time. And what they'll look at is, does he have coagulopathy, which means does he have the inability to, you know, coagulate blood properly because of his liver disease? Mm -hmm. Because the liver participates in the creation of um, these um, pathways that... um, that lead to blood coagulation. It's a really complex pathway, and there's all these different factors that have to be present to coagulate blood properly. Why on earth um, the universe you know, created something so complex, and any defect along the way will mess things up, but they'll, uh, they'll check that out. And, um, yeah, we need to get that. If that's caused by your liver failing, then we need to get on top of that, so you'll need to see a hepatologist. Fatty liver can be treated. Most of the time, we'll start with um, uh, medications like metformin and maybe even a statin or, or some other medications to decrease triglycerides like f- prescription-strength fish oil. But a low-carb diet will go a long way to get rid of non-alcoholic steatohepatitis, which is what this is, which is fatty liver with you know liver damage that's not caused by alcohol. Okay. So go get that checked out right now. Uh, he just called in the other day. This one wasn't. I don't think this was sitting in the queue for very long. Good. So, yeah, he needs to get on it right now. All right. Okay. I think we got time for one more. Happy New Year, Weird Medicine. Hey, man. Me. So uh, this new year, I'm looking to improve my health, and I hear you talking about- Is this the same guy? The voice sounds similar. About this uh, calcium score test. No. Nope. And I want to get it okay. done. I'm in my mid-40s now, and- um, you know, just I've got this fear of clogged arteries and stuff. Um, is this something my primary doctor can do in yes. the office with the jelly and the ultrasound wand, or is it something that they have to refer me to, like uh, imaging MRI center? Is it, um, I, okay, great question. Um, the calcium score we've been talking about is. Um, a score to kind of just quantify your risk that's really simple to do. You can go right now and just search Framingham calculator and calculate your own risk score. And then you can uh, combine that with this, and it gives you a pretty accurate idea of how how much uh, lifestyle or medication change you need to uh, incorporate into your life to uh, decrease your risk of heart attack. But uh, calcium score is CAT scan. Mm-hmm. So um, you ha- you have to be between 40 and 75 uh, without diabetes. Because if, you ha- if, if you're between 40 and 75, you have diabetes, you're already at high risk. Mm-hmm. Uh, and with an LDL score of anywhere between 70 and 189, and uh, any risk of cardiovascular disease greater than 7.5. So they'll do a Framingham score for 7.5% over 10 years. So you kind of have to have some risk factors first, but you it you don't want to have your pretest pop probability. In other words, yeah, you've got you're at high risk already. This is supposed to tell you if you're at risk. So they're looking for borderline people to do this on. Good. And uh, if you meet those criteria, yeah, you, a lot of times you could just walk straight in and just get one. I, our hospital, I just walked in and asked for it, and it was fifty bucks. 
So anyway, you know, just talk to your primary care about it. Uh, you could call the hospital, see if they do them. And then, uh, you know, whatever. Bula, bula. Bula, bula. Go have a big old time. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah. Well, thanks always goes to Dr. Scott. Uh, we can't forget Rob Sprantz, Bob Kelly, Greg Hughes, Anthony Cumia, Jim Norton, Travis Teft, Tra- Travis Teft, Lewis Johnson, Paul Ofcharsky, Eric Nagel, Roland Campos, Sam Roberts, Pat Duffy, Dennis Falcone, Ron Bennington, and Fez Watley, whose early support of this show has never gone unappreciated. Listen to our SiriusXM show on the Faction Talk channel. SiriusXM channel 103, Saturdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, Sunday at 5 p.m. Eastern, on demand, and other times at Jim McClure's pleasure. Many thanks go to our listeners whose voicemail and topic ideas make this job very easy. Go to our website at drsteve.com for schedules, podcasts, and other crap. Until next time, check your stupid nuts for lumps, quit smoking, get off your asses, and get some exercise. We'll see you in one week for the next edition of Weird Medicine. All right, Dr. Scott, a little extra something. You got your instrument ready? What the fuck yeah. are you doing? Oh, I thought you recorded that last one. No. Oh, hell, fire. I haven't recorded anything. Oh, yeah. I'm ready. I wish I had. <laughs> All right. Let's see here. Let's get you a little um, little uh, reverb. A little reverb, yep. Yep. Ooh. Oh, that's me. There you go. Let me see. Let's hear Give me a test, test. All of me. And now, all of me. If you're going to hit that um, instrument as hard as you did last time, I'm going to back you down just yes, a little bit. Yes, of course, yeah. Because you distorted like, like F. And I turned my volume down on this thing, too. Okay, well, you don't have to turn it down too much. All of me. Well, you just gave it away. Spoiler alert, Three, we're doing all of me. Two. <laughs> okay. Take two. Let's give it a that shot. That sucked balls. All right, let's do it again. One, two, a one, two, three, four. All of me, why not take all of me? Cause you know I'm no good without you. Take my arms, I want to do. Take my lips, I'll never use them. Your goodbyes left me with eyes that cry. And I know I'm no good without you. You took the part of me that once was my heart. So why not take all of me?
I remember all the words. Well, <clears throat> given that we learned it literally a minute ago. One minute ago. We've had, we had practice. We practiced one time, one, one song. Yeah, one time. I'm not real big on the walking bass, but I'll work on it. No, that that, that could be a good job. Man. All right. All right. All right, guys. everybody. Happy New Year. Shit on you. And as we say in Hindi, Naya Sal Mubarak Ho. This means Happy New Year. Happy New Year's. And, uh, uh, Bachwas, uh, I, I, uh, let me see. Up, up, na, Bachwas, hey. That means you are <laughs> bullshit. All right. <laughs> All right, guys. Okay. See you. <laughs>